Okay, here we go. Maybe. So today, uh, as you can see by the word at the top of my page, you two are going to have to stop talking. Or we're going to have to separate you. <laughs> Look, David's already all over it. <laughs> um, I, I don't know about you all, but it's been a semi-interesting time as usual. We're getting to the near the end of the year. There's lots going on, and I need some extra strength, like extra strength, etc., except extra strength from the Lord. I forgot to ask Robin. If Robin, are we good? I didn't know if I'm okay to start. I forgot to ask you that. Um, so I'm looking and praying and asking the Lord different things, but how do I get through all this? I'll, uh, I just need some more strength, because uh, I don't know. I've just been, I've been dragging, drag myself out of my bed, drag myself to work. Oh, it's really far from bed to work. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> um, there's, just, there's just a lot of things happening. And we've had a lot of neat teachings out of the Father's Church. We've had some neat teachings here. And you look at the stuff that's been released, and you say to yourself, Self, I says, I need to understand what I need to change within me so that I have that strength to continue moving. Because when you have um, diabetes and your blood sugar is, gets high, then goes low, you know, okay, but when it stays high, it kind of slows you down. And you might not know that if you don't have diabetes, but it slows you down. It makes you feel like you're pulling extra stuff around. And you are, because there's extra sugar in your veins. Anyways, so I was... I just, I just need to get that all out. I just need to figure out what's going on and just push it somewhere else. Get it out of here. So I was asking the Lord, and he reminded me of a scripture where Paul is talking about a thorn that keeps bothering him and slowing him down. And so I started looking at some word, a word that goes along with that scripture, and it's the word suffice or sufficient which also suffice, and, and I don't remember what I put on your guys' teaching sheet. Hold on. Oh, it's the word R-K-O. And I wanted to make it root back to R-K, but it doesn't. At least not as far as my scholarly understanding of Greek is. It doesn't seem to go back to that. But you see the definition at the top of your paper. And, you know, to ward off, to avail, be satisfactory, all those kinds of things. But look at that second line, to be possessed of unfailing strength. I want that. So I looked at word, and see, when I talk about this stuff, and I just think God is pleased when we spend time in his word. And he's even more pleased when we spend time studying his word. And so I can read the words, and they make sense, but when you study they make even more sense, and they give you a broader definition of where am I supposed to be. So this was cool when I looked this word up, because it only happens so many times. You have all the scriptures that it happens in. So if I want unfailing strength, which is really what I desire, where do I find it? How is it related? Let's go. I mean, I know I find it in the Lord. So I started looking, obviously, at the scriptures and where they're located. So the first occurrence is in Matthew 25, 8 through 10. Now, I just pulled the scriptures out. I'm not always going to remember to tell you what's going on around the scriptures, so please go read for yourself as well. But in, in Matthew 25, 8 through 10, Josiah? Oh, I don't know if it's on or not. Would you mind reading the first scripture at the top of the page, please? And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went with went in with him into the marriage, and the door was shut. Okay, thank you. Josiah, your voice is getting deeper and deeper every day. <laughs> All right, so hand the microphone back to Softa in case she has something. 
Okay, keep it. They'll ask you for it if they need it. So the first place that this word occurs is here when we're talking about the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. And we've, we've talked about this a hundred times at least, I'm telling you, about who's wise and who's foolish. Who is prepared and ready to move and who is not? And the significance of the oil of the Lord. We've got the oil of gladness, all these other things, but this is the oil that lights the lamp. And when you look at, at that, the big perspective of all of that with the oil, wise and full, you realize we always need to have oil. We have to have the oil to keep the light moving. So how do we relate oil? Holy Spirit, anointing oil. I mean, there's probably several ways you could do that. But you look at this, and when it comes to what do I need enough of, I need enough of oil. I need to keep my light burning. I need my lamp to be, well, brighter than bright, but it's going to give me that direction. You look at the lamp in Scripture, and it talks about the lamp as a path unto my feet. And these are, these, are the, these are very important, obviously, in this day. But you look at it as, if I have the oil, then I am in possession of unfailing strength to the end. Because we, you know, lots of people talk about this, and I have no problem with it. Here comes the bride. Here comes the bridegroom. I want to be in the wedding. We're at the end, right? It's the end times. Well, I want to make it to the end. I want to be one of those that goes in and doesn't get left out. I want to be prepared. I want to know what I need to be doing, which is they were very specific in what they needed to have. They needed to purchase oil from the Lord. They needed to, to have that kind of relationship with the Father where that was a supply that they had so that they would have unfailing strength. And in the scripture, they're telling not only that the virgins are, you're silly because they were foolish, they were morose, they were not smart because we're not allowed to say that other word, right? They were not smart in what they were doing. They were investing in the wrong places where they needed to invest in the oil of the Lord. They needed their provision to be from him. When the provision is from God, you will have unfailing strength. Microphone, please. Good job. And I think if you're not wanting to go into the deeper things, which is what the foolish versions were about in many ways, that would be um, that would mean that they probably are not being continually filled with the Spirit. Right. And I think we need to never lose sight of that fact that we need to be asking the Father to continually fill us with a fresh filling of His Spirit every day. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's not just a one-time deal and we've got our ticket right. and we're out of here. Punched. Although I know that is a belief with several, a lot of people. Yeah. But I mean, it's if you want the light to stay bright and to stay current with what is lighting up the heart of the Lord, then we need his spirit to be that fuel within us that mm-hmm. is continually directing us, not just, I mean, guiding us as well, but directing our path so that we're not the ones setting our own path in front of us. Right. And that is, you know, one of those things, I know you guys are going to be like, really, you're learning that? No, I am learning that, that I'm still not giving everything up. I still have a path I want to go. And no, I need to go the pathway of the Lord. And we're going to see that more as we go down the line here about what's what in that area. Are you okay, little buddy? Okay. Lord, put your healing touch upon Zach. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, that, and that was basically what I want to say about that. So you guys are following me. The, the big, bold words that I put on above each one of the scriptures is relating to, um, you know, what do we need? Oil is sufficient. Oil is uh, something that will give us the unfailing strength that we need to make it through. That was one of them. So the next one is wages. I like talking about wages. Not really. But, you know, it's a fact of life, especially in the United States, that we make a good wage. I'm just saying. 
And it's difficult sometimes, depending on who you are or what, what you work on, what you do for a living, that specificness of wages can be daunting and make life difficult. But in the spirit realm, is God up there saying blah, 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 blah about wages? Is he talking to you specifically about you have to make this much money at your job? I'm not saying he's not talking to you about other things related to that. I'm just saying. So when you look at the scripture in Luke 3, 12 through 14, and Josiah says, Then came also public publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what sh- shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. All right, so there's a lot of interesting things here. Because what's a publican? It's not a Republican, Josiah, is it? It's a publican. So this is Jesus. He's speaking to a, a group of people, and I think it's in around Jordan. Anyways, he's having a chat with them. He's talking about, um, well, they're talking about how do we make it in the world, really? What do we do? What do we do? Which way do we go? Which way do we go? And publicans were tax collectors in those days. That's just the fancy-dancy name they gave for it. And so they're asking him, what, you know, what do we need to do when Jesus is talking about salvation? He's talking to them about how to get to the Father, how to get from uh, whatever kind of life you have now to a life of the Lord is leading the way. And so he tells the publicans, these tax collectors, that they need to be baptized, baptizo. And yeah, we don't have a problem with that. I was going to call the publicans Baptists, and then I thought, I don't want to offend anybody, so I just won't do that. Anyway, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> the, the publicans come and they ask him a question. They call him master, which I thought was going to be one of our power words, and it, it is not. But it is teacher. They're re- addressing him as a teacher. So they're receiving or attempting to understand what he's saying because they're addressing him as a teacher. Hey, teacher, what shall we do? What, are you gonna, what, what do we need to do, make, Make, be, be so, what do we need to do? And he tells them to exact no more than what is appointed you. Now, back in those days, the publicans were sometimes cheats. They were sometimes people that were forced more money from you, out of you, than maybe they should have. Remember, Matthew was a tax collector. And he immediately, as far as I could tell, left that job and went to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. So he's asking them, you know, they're asking him, what do we do? And he said, you know, practice every day and repeatedly to not take more than is appointed or ordained by the, by the law. He didn't say by the law in there, but how else will the tax collectors know what they're supposed to get? except by following a, you know, they had a little chart like we do when we do our taxes. They go to the, I'm just kidding. But they have this, (laughs) only Katie is with me and Kim. Okay, you two? All right. Anyway, so what he's telling them to do is exactly what your job says to do. Nothing more and nothing less. And that was... For us sitting here, it's like, oh, that's probably not that big of a deal. But really, for them at that time, that was a big deal because they made money on the side. That's They made a, a wage, and then they made their money on the side because that's just, that's just how it worked back then. So then he goes, the soldiers come up and ask him the same thing. Now, what kind of soldiers were these? They were probably Roman soldiers. What other soldiers were there around that time? Temple soldiers? Could have been that. So the, they, they come up and they say, well, what, what do we do? 
I'm glad you told them what to do. Tell us what to do. Now listen, I have to say that when I was in the beginning of being a believer and understanding of Jesus, I often asked God, tell me what to do. I want, I want him to be very specific. And I know some people early in their walk, they ask him. I still do ask him that sometimes on some things. But what? tell me what to do and I'll do it. If you just tell me what to do, Lord, I will do it. I won't have any questions. And I, Well, is that always true? Not exactly. So here he is addressing the soldiers. They said, what do you want us to do? And what does he say to them? He gives them these two things to do. And if he does these things, this is what's going to happen over here. He says, do violence to no man. All right, go ahead, say that to a soldier. What will the response be? What? It's part of my job. What are you talking about? I'm here to defend. I'm here to overtake. I'm here to invade. I'm here to keep people safe. And if someone comes in that doesn't want, I'm going to do no violence. Do violence to no man. And the second thing he says is, neither accuse any falsely. So don't accuse wrongly, but part of that in there as well is don't get money wrongly. Now, did soldiers you know, do the great shakedown? I'm sure they could, would, and still do today. They, they take what, what they want. They're the ones that have the strength. They're the ones that are armed. They're the ones that are an invading army. They're the ones in control. And lots of historical all the way through that show that exact thing. Soldiers can do, feel like they can do whatever they want. So he's addressing these two specific issues. Go ahead. Um, I think this definitely, you can take this in literal, like you're saying, in the natural, but I think there's a spiritual connotation behind this as well. Absolutely. Go. No, 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 go. No, no, no. You started it. Well, when he's telling them, you know, I, I take it like these guys are coming to him and they're saying, well, we're in these jobs. This is the type of stuff that's been the usual MO for these jobs. How are we supposed to be this point of commitment you know, the, and submission to the Lord that we're giving in the midst of these jobs and, and kind of the usual that's expected around them. Exactly, yep. And, and they say, and he says, well, don't commit yourself to more than has been ordained for you. In other words, you know, do the job the way it's supposed to be done, just the way it's supposed to be done in the purity of the job, mm -hmm. but this is not your life. Your job is not your life. You, your life is, is supposed to shine through your job, in other words. I right. Mean, he's not saying that. But, I mean, in other words, what you, you commit to what God has ordained for you to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does to me. I don't know about everybody else. You want me to look around and see if everybody else gets it? All right, they look good. Keep going. <laughs> and, and then the soldiers, it, when, they're, when they're finding this um, unfailing strength in their wages, it's like, Whatever is being rationed out to you, you know, that's where your strength is going to be in the spirit. I mean, I, that's just the way I look at it. It's No, that's be, great. Be content with what God is giving you and be the best soldier you can be, but the best soldier that's a God follower. Right. And the contentment that's there, that's our word. Right. That's the unfailing right. that's strength. Right. Exactly. So... You so you draw that from you draw that from what God has proportioned or portioned you, mm -hmm. not from what you get in the natural or what you see is going on with other Around, people, right, even. Right. And and it's it's a weird thing to believe or man, not believe, but to understand that wages. And you kind of look at it. I'm I'm, I'm going to look at it in a spiritual sense. Wages is what God gives you as a provision. You know, the wages of sin are death, but the wages of God are victory, are strength, unfailing strength in your hour of need or even in your daily work you do as a son of God. As you move and do work his, his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, as you intercede, that's, that's, that, that's our wages. And I'm probably just restating what mom was trying was conveying but <laughs> no but I mean the thought process of 
when God has placed you somewhere and you know that he is going to give every provision, don't look to your worldly um your worldly provision, what you can get on your own, what you could pull from your job to make something that God has asked you to do, quote, work. You know, it's like that perspective on where he's asked you to um, be his voice of truth or to um, stand on behalf of what he's doing. You can't take worldly provision and try and use that to accomplish what God has asked you to do. You have to take the provision he's given you, even if it looks like a lack, and know that what he's given is exactly what's needed for that moment. That's, that's good. And now I have to correct myself. Because it's not Jesus speaking, it's John the Baptist. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just looked at it, wait, 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 wait. This is John the Baptist. And we know what he was trying to do with everybody. He was just doing a, a baptism of repentance Turn yourself around, go in the other direction. But he was definitely pointing out to people, this is what's going on with you. This is what's going on with you. He's addressing all these people that showed up to get baptized at the Jordan. And he's saying, sure, here, I'll tell you what you need to do. And it is turning their eyes from the world on the earth. Turn your eyes to the Lord. To Turn your eyes to the Father, Father God, Jesus, his son. Go ahead. I just love this passage because it shows the sincerity of the people. They weren't just going through emotions. They weren't caught up in the moment. They were, they were genuinely asking, what, what do I do, I do to keep my heart aligned with this decision that I've made to commit myself? Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, there had to be, uh, you know, a, a weird mixture of people at, at the Jordan when all this was going on, which we kind of know because John didn't really have the greatest reputation, right? He was the weird guy with the war stuff and ate, Bugs. Anyway, so he didn't probably have the best, you know, best reputation of let's go see what he's doing, but he was also a curiosity. So there were people there that were sincere in their coming, but there were other people there and that John addressed that were not there for anything but, wait, what's going on? What's the weird dude go, happening? And so, you know, we, we're even going to be like that. We're going to have that kind of thing where people are going to go, why are you guys so weird? And we're just going to have to say, because <laughs> God has called me to be this, and that's what I'm going to be. Go ahead, Vicki. Well, there were others that there were there because they were afraid of an insurrection arising from the people again, and any time some figure arose, they had to make sure that they had there. to go spy on them and make sure that the people weren't getting too intense about whatever they were peddling at the moment, and they just figured he was one more. Right. They didn't want it taken the, especially the religious leaders, did not want to take the focus off of their their traditions and their money makers mm-hmm. and such. The power and such. Oh, we're going to address that in a little bit. Okay, so the next scripture that Josiah is going to read is about bread. So John 6, 5 through 7. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Once shall we buy bread, that these may eat. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. So here's, here's Philip. Now, we, we address Philip and further down the line and what he's doing and the eunuch and he disappears. and the, Okay, so Jesus is talking to him specifically in this scripture, but what's happening is there's a group of people that are coming to listen to him speak, and now we're about to talk about the bread and the fish. We're going to just kind of go into that. But look at what Peter I mean, sorry, look at what Philip says when Jesus said, what are we going to do now? You know, kind of asking him that question. Well, what now? What shall we do now? Um, and he answers something that's just, I don't know, just very fascinating to me. He's, he's putting a dollar total on what God, on what Jesus is, is, is giving out and preaching and teaching. So we know that Jesus is the bread of life. We know that when he speaks, the words that he speaks gives us nourishment, gives us the bread that we eat. And, and Philip was sort of getting it, sort of not getting it, but he was, to me, he was selling it short. 
sorry, so 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient. That's not going to give them the unfailing strength to continue on, Jesus. And Jesus, you know, you know what happened afterwards. But he, he also says that, that every one of them may take how much? A little? Why not a lot? I mean, he's really, he's really restricting what he thinks Jesus is about to do or what he thinks Jesus wants to do. Hey, what do you think we should do? I think we don't have enough money to buy enough bread for all these people, even for them to take a little. Oh, it's, it's me, Philip. What? It's, haven't you been, okay, we're in chapters, you know, what chapter are we in? You've, we've been doing all this stuff all the way through, and now you are not understanding what's happening. But somehow, Philip had, I think, had some kind of understanding in a, in a little bit of a way of, maybe I'm missing something here, but is this going to be enough to give them that unfailing strength they need so they can continue on so he Maybe he's taking it a natural. Maybe this supernatural. He's been around him for 14 chapters. So, sorry. Was it 14 chapters? No, six chapters. Sorry. I know. I don't know how long a time it is, but you just look at all the stuff that happened in the first six chapters of John, and he's seen a few things. Still not totally getting it. But we know, we understand. I know in here we have a, the concept of the bread of life. We have a concept of the bread that comes from heaven. We understand about the manna in the Old Testament. We understand about the bread in the New Testament. We take communion. We break the bread, which is really a cracker, but whatever. And so we understand that without that sustaining, continual gifting of fresh bread from the Father, we would be, where would we be? We would be toast. Oh, Uh, no, pastor, I don't want you to leave. But, you know, uh, Katie, don't encourage him. So, <laughs> she's still encouraging him. So, where do we find and possess this unfailing strength to go on, to continue, to continually be filled, get that fresh bread? Oh, the bread is what gives us unfailing strength. And we can't ignore it. We can't just say, okay, I'm full now. I'm not going to worry about it. We, we, that's, that's not part of our MO. As Vicki was saying before, we have to go deeper. We have to question what we understand now as far as what God is doing next. Does he change, change, change? No, God is the same, you know, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But he does move us forward in our understanding, which for me... I would think sometimes, and I'm just telling you, I'm going to look up here. Sometimes I think I understand, <laughs> but then I realize I don't. I think I, I, you know, I study these words, you look at stuff, and wow, that's a really cool word, and then I look at it some more, and then you look at it some more, it's like peeling an onion, and you realize there's more to understand about God than I ever thought. And I, I hope that I, I'd never get tired or bored of finding out more about the Lord. That almost rhymed. So, um, let's see. In verse 6, when it says, and this he said to prove him, that word said is the word Lego. And if you ask Josiah what his favorite Lego set is, he might have several to mention. Several he has on his Christmas list, right? Now, Josiah doesn't always follow the script, meaning there's paper that tells you how to build something. And he follows it, and he builds it, but then he takes it all apart, and then he does something else. So he can take a bunch of Legos that are just laying there and build himself something, right? Jesus is telling this guy, look, we're going to build on this. Check it out. We're going to Lego one piece at a time, and we're going to make something. And Josiah makes some wonderful designs. Just saying. I like them. I have a Lego set that I've had since I was... I don't know when they first came out. So somewhere around 13, 14. I know, when did Legos first come out, Katie? You should Google that while I keep teaching. Um, but I had a little 
I had a little box. Well, not a box. It was a plastic container. What'd you say? Fifth or sixth grade? Then no, no, no. Okay, I was only. Th- I was. Um, you're old. <laughs> Way to step into that one. Um, so, well, then that means that somewhere around 13 is when I remember getting my first set of Legos, and I just thought it was the coolest thing in the whole wide world. And that's what started at my house. When you guys came, I brought out my little Lego box. And we started building stuff, and they have, incre- they have more Legos than I ever had. They have a whole fishing box, tackle box, fishing box, tackle box, two tackle boxes full of Legos. <laughs> Guess who wasn't born yet? You went there. Anyway, so when, whenever you see this word Lego, you know what's coming next is the Lord building upon the faith and understanding of Philip. In this case, he was also doing a a proving ground for for Philip because he already knew, obviously, what was going to happen next. He knew what he was going to do. He understood what the miracle that was about to happen. But Philip was still a little bit in the the dark and really wanted to watch out for the people. So did Jesus. But it was a different watching out for him. Philip wanted to watch out for their physical needs, I believe. And Jesus was, it's not just about the physical. I'm about to, I'm about to lay some, <laughs> sorry. I'm about to give him some Holy Spirit smacking. I'm just kidding. I don't know if you call it that either. But he was, he was laying down the, the foundation of the kingdom of God. And that's what the legoing is whenever you see that word said, not always, in this case. Um, so when Philip answered him, this word answered is this word that we've talked about, apokrinomai. So he crinoed what Jesus was saying, and to the best of his ability, he answered by saying, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient. And what he said in the natural was true. But in the supernatural, it was not. And so... In conclusion, (laughs) we need the bread of life. That will give you unfailing strength. So that means don't give up studying the word just because you've studied it every day for whatever time period or every week on Wednesday at whatever, whatever, or any of those things. Please continue to study. Read, receive the fresh word of God. That fresh bread is what will give you unfailing strength. All right. We good? Next scripture, Josiah is now going to read John 14, 6 through 9. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip said unto him, That Philip guy keeps showing up, Josiah. Lord, shew us the Father, and it sufficient sufficeth. sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time without you, and yet hast thou, hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, shew us the Father? So, once again, now we're in chapter 16. We're further down the road in the relationship between Philip and Jesus. And Jesus is laying it out very nicely and plainly for Philip to understand. And Philip says, hey, you know what? Just show us the Father, and that will be our unfailing strength. Such a true statement. If you see the Father and you know the Father, you will have unfailing strength. Philip, though, asked it in a question, sort of. That will suffice. That will be, just show us the Father. And Jesus is like, dude. Well, he probably didn't say dude. But he probably said, dude, (laughs) I have been. Have you not been listening? Have you not been paying attention? Have you not seen what I have seen? Have have I not shown you where where my Father is? Because where he is, that's where I am. When he's doing something, I'm doing something. What, what's, how did you miss all that? I don't know. How did Philip miss all that? 
So he, he had a measure of understanding that the Father was the key because he asked Jesus specifically that show us the Father and that will suffice. That will be our unfailing strength. But he must not have totally gotten it because he asked, show us the Father, <laughs> and, and that will suffice when that's all that Jesus had been doing. I mean, we know that his entire life was based on the Father. We, I, I mean, I, I don't want to go through a salvation message because that's just silly. But knowing the Father, and that means to know absolutely. It's that word for knowing. That was the key, to, that is the key to unfailing Strength. Go ahead, Vic. Well, he could have had he could have had the information or the knowledge that we need to know the Father deeper. But if he wasn't making the connection that Jesus was literally only patterning or doing what he saw the Father doing, if he wasn't making that connection, then maybe that's when he wouldn't have put that together. Right. And did you know the word for see or seen in there is that word horeo? Do you remember us teaching, studying that word horeo? I mean, the exact definition is one thing, but when you look and exactly address it, you, you see that it's like seeing as the Father sees. That's what horeo means. And so we, in the lovely English language, we just say see, or seen, or saw, or had, I mean, I'm not going to conjugate the verbs. Anyway, um, but... When Jesus was, was talking to Philip, he was even saying, hey, are you seeing like my father sees, or are you just seeing like you're seeing? No. See like the father sees. He's knocking on his head. Now, can you really see like the father sees? Absolutely you can. He gives you that ability. We have a teacher-seer ability, but we just have an ability because of the Spirit, because of our coming with the Father, to understand and see what he's doing just as he is doing it. It's kind of the principle of halal. Yep, yeah, it is. Well, you have to expand, explain the principle well, of halal. To look, to look ahead in grace and to praise him for what he's wanting to do, not what he's already done, mm -hmm. but for what you see or envision him that he wants to do. Exactly. And again, is it possible? Yeah, I can't tell you how many people have asked me, I just want to see what the Father sees. You know what? You can. You can. And according to the scripture, Jesus said, mm, yeah, if you see me, which a lot of people like to focus on Jesus in the Bible and not necessarily everything else. They, that's the, the, Jesus is the end all to end all. Okay, he's the son of God. That's great. I understand that. So he's telling you, if you see me, if you hooray me, then you're hooraying my father. And that means that you're seeing as the father sees. I don't mean to make it go around and around, but it's, it's really kind of that simple. All right. So here's the scripture that kind of started it all. Josiah, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should, have, should be exalted above measure. Josiah? Yes. It's Buffett. Bu Buffett. And we'll talk about that so you understand Buffett. Buffett me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Verse For eight. this thing I besought the Lord, since that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is, is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my inf no, in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Say so what? Yeah. So here's your, um, here's your secret strength. It's called grace. It's unfailing. It will, never, it will never fail you. Now, we can look at all the stuff, but we've looked at the scripture, I can't tell you how many hundreds of times as well, because I kept looking at this going, oh, I'm going over this verse again that we've talked about. Uh, well, let's look at it this way. 
with the grace of God, you will have unfailing strength. It will never fail you. That's what unfailing strength means. I need more grace in my life. Now, we can talk about grace, right? We see it in Scripture, left and right, up and down. We see grace and supplication as one of the spirits of God. But when we talk about grace, it's that opportunity, that door that the Lord opens for us and says, step up. Here's your, here's your opportunity. And this I see greatly in my life right now. The Lord is pointing things out for me to, to give to him for him to burn away. It's going to show me what, I'm, what I need to do. Which way am I going? And this grace is going to be there. It's going to be that open door, and it's going to be that strength, that unfailing strength for me to continue. And there's so many other things we could talk about in here. Anybody want to talk about anything else in here? I love that there's the five, five events in verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in affirmities, in reproach, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for the anointed sons of God's and for the, the anointed son's sake. Fivefold. You love those, don't you, uh, Gail? Fivefold. Which one goes where? You know, it's this kind of stuff is throughout Scripture. Oh, he's got it. Pastor will speak. Yeah, the um, he he says when I am weak and um, these hmm. these fivefold areas really are are not so much um, you know his inability, but it's what comes against him. It's it's the evaluation of his ministry. And in the in the working of his ministry, he he is coming into and the uh, reproaches, uh, you know, things that that he needs that aren't there. Uh, the the uh, the way people are responding to him, and the valuation of the world would say, well, you know, that's certainly a, a weak ministry. You know, right. That's that's nothing that's doing anything. That's, you must be doing something wrong. Yes. <laughs> And and what he's saying is is that he is being faithful to what God has given him, and though it looks weak, it is the strongest possible measure of representing the Father, and uh, he is finding contentment in that. That's that's Absolutely. where his, that's where his promotion is. And I I was laughing when I was reading this because, I you know I the revelations of the Lord they're really great. I'll never be as good as Paul, but I'm thinking you know. All of you have at some point, I know, heard something, understood something from God that you've never understood and had the enemy try to get, try to change it around. Or the world to try to just, oh, that's, that's right, but no, just a little bit more this way. That's, that's not quite what God really meant. And, and try to get you going somewhere else. But Paul was, when he got it, the man got it. So much so that his name became Paul from Saul. He got it. He was, he was, he, here's the revelation, boom, I'm there. And every time it happened, that's where he was. So Josiah, when it said that buffet, to be buffeted, it's like being jostled around. It's like being bumped into many times. Even in your mind, my mind might work differently than yours probably does. But, you know, being buffeted in your mind where you, something just keeps bumping into your brain and you're like, stop it. Sometimes I have to hit my head to make it go away. <laughs> I, this is cool. It's just really cool because when God is basically, his response is saying, as long as you're willing to continue moving forward with me into something that's never been done before, into new territory, then you'll have the unfailing strength that you'll need because that ability or that willingness and that moving forward is what, is what strengthens you. Exactly. It's, it's when you stop. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, so at the very end when he says, when I am weak, I love the way he words that because weak is asaneo and strong is dunatos, which is the ability to function. And, of course, asaneo is when you're not functioning. So he's saying when, when I, when, when I am not functioning, when Paul himself and in the flesh is not the one that's projecting himself forward, and he's the one that's not trying to be what all, then he's able to function in the way he needs to in the spirit. Yeah, this is, this is 
totally a spiritual statement that Paul is making. And though lots of people might look at it and go, ministry, this is how we need to understand in the natural, really it's a supernatural strengthening that the Father gives us. And the whole moving forward, that's all, that's just all grace. That's grace. Moving forward is grace. And that's what the Father needs us to do, though it sometimes it seems, you know, and I can just say for me, you know, I don't want to say that I'm ever not moving forward, but there are so many times when I'm like, <sighs> that's, that's all I can say. And, but I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm going to keep going. I, intercession's the best way for that too. Go ahead. And I guess another angle you could approach it from is God saying, my promotion is what will give you unfailing grace. Don't worry about ah. having to be without this thing that's bugging you in order to to be promoted, because Paul wasn't necessarily looking to be promoted for his own sake. Mm-hmm. He was concerned about the kingdom. And, and God's saying, you don't have to worry about that, because I'll promote you in the way that you need to be. I'll, I'll make sure that you're where you need to be for the kingdom. Yeah, and as, as you... Oh, go ahead, Larry. I was just going to comment on the concept of buffeting, because, um, you know, if, if you're plowing and you're not feeling the you know, the, the plow hitting stuff and, mm-hmm. and pushing, pushing stuff it. aside, you're, right. you're not in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, that buffeting is an indication that, that things are where they're supposed to be and that there is progress being made. There is something being done. So if it becomes so smooth sailing that you're you know, not feeling anything, we need to reevaluate what's going on. You need to worry. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Right, Gail? Yeah, and, and really, this goes against our human nature. All these concepts you guys, you two just talked about, goes against our human nature. Because we want to be promoted. We want to be recognized. We want to be in charge. We want to have thousands flock. Well, maybe not everybody does. Thousands of people to flock to see what you're doing. I mean, we want that success concept. And, and, and Paul really realizing that that's not, what, that's not what's important. That's not what's going on in the kingdom of God. We want that. And, and when, we're, when we're plowing and buffeting, it goes against the grain of a human being to have a difficult time. Because so many people go, well, you must be doing something wrong. And sometimes the, I even say that because I grew up Catholic, and that's just the way we grew up. Sorry, Gail, I'm mumbling too much there. You grew up, I mean, it, but it's against the human nature. If, if something's wrong, what are you doing wrong? And it's not always the way God works. Things happen because you need to be doing this. And because you're doing this, the enemy, the world, blah, they're going to not, they're going to come against you. They're going to say things. They're going to do things. They're just going to be your family. And you just got to keep going. (laughs) Time to go home. Okay. Uh, Next scripture Josiah is going to read is 1 Timothy 6, 2 through 10. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of wor- words. Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputing of men, disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. Suppose that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness is, with contentment is, supposed, is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we, will, we can carry nothing out. <laughs> and have food and, ram, and raiment, let us... Having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. 
For the love of money is the root of evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Yeah, how many times have we read this scripture? Love of money is the root of all evil. Okay, well, it's really more of a relationship with money. (laughs) Our relationship, our number one relationship, investment, should be the Father. It's not exactly getting what we want. And here's this is one of those things that just, just got me. So here is Paul speaking to Timothy. And Timothy's the young pastor. And this is chapter 6. I hate to keep mentioning it. But it's the last chapter of the first letter he wrote to him. So it's at the end he's giving, he's giving Timothy all this advice on how to deal with the people around him. Now, Timothy was a younger man, but there were other people that were older than him. And sometimes you know that whole, you know, you're not older than me, so I'm not going to listen to you. Oh, wait, wait, you're younger than me. I, I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, all that kind of stuff plays into to what's happening even in those days. And Paul is speaking and letting him know, look, it doesn't matter who the person is, the master, the teacher, the Lord, the one that you are working for. Do it right. I'm mega paraphrasing. And, and he talks about how people that are around you, that even could be in charge of you, however you want to look at it, where they may start talking to you and it's not right. They may try to influence you to go away that is not godly, that is not part of a godly walk, not part of godliness at all. And okay, so he he lists some different things that people can do, different um, ways that you are influenced by the world to walk in a different direction. Now really, to most people that are Christians, that love the Lord, that's like, come on, that's never going to happen to me. What are you talking about? Well, you can look in great detail, if you want to, about each one of these definitions of these words. But I look right to verse 6 where it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, contentment has the word in there, archaeo. But it's still the same definition. It is unfailing strength. So godliness with or brings because with an unfailing strength is great gain for those who walk in the kingdom of God. So let's remind ourselves what godliness is. And I actually had to ask Vicky this last night. Thank you for helping me, Vicky. Godliness means to respect, to honor, and to apply the principles of the purpose of God. What is the purpose of God? We've talked about this as well, right? Purpose of God is restoration. I sounded like a hillbilly, didn't I? Restoration, the restoration of people, lands, places to what God originally created them to be. That is agape. That is love. That is the purpose of God. So when you look at this and it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, mm, he's being serious. <laughs> this is great gain. I, again, I'm back to, I want unfailing strength. I will find that in godliness. And godliness is the purpose of God. Godliness is respecting, applying the purpose of God in your life and wherever he tells you to. And that, that's what we are about. I mean, that's, that's what sons of God are about. That's what it means to, to walk that deeper relationship with God, not just a, I'm saved. It's more than that. It's walking with him and partnering with what he is doing. So, um, so I just want to address the root of all evil, the root of all evil really quick. I think I sort of did. But when you look at the root of all evil, it's really the corrupted purpose trying to come forth. And we know the root, that's that thing that you're grounded in. That's that thing that's, that's keeping you where you are, keeping you firm. We do not want to be firm in anything but the Father. You can say money, 
but it can be anything that you put above what the Father is rooting you in. And, and we'll say money, but it can be anything. You could put this in front of God. You could put that. We continue to work through that. Now, here's one of my other problems, not problems, but here's one of the things I'm confessing. Money. I like money. I need more almost every month when I look at my bills. and the da, 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 da. Now, what's going on with me about that? I've been asking the Lord for I don't know how long. I need an answer. I need a direction, and, and now I have it. Why do I love money? I'm going to tell you, because I like to be in control. I'm just telling you, I want to do this, and if I want to do this in this world, i got to have money. I want to do that. If I want to do that, I have to have money. If I, want, I like being in control, and mm, I can't be that way anymore. I'm not going to cry or anything, no. But, you know, money represents power and influence, and in and, and so many ways, freedom in this world. That's not the kind of freedom I need. That's not the kind of freedom I want. I want freedom in the Lord. Whereas, what is it that Luke says? <laughs> Liberty in the Lord. He doesn't say it that way, though, does it? I, I can't say it in French. He says it to your dad sometimes. Go ahead. See, she can do it. I can't. <laughs> so without, without money, that you're, you know, you're not in control. And that's just how, I'm telling you, that's how my brain has been working all these years. And so I, there's things that I'm sometimes driven in that area. Wrong. God's saying, okay, here it is, Annette. There's your answer. I had to go through all this to get to that answer. Y'all just came along for the ride. I want unfailing strength, though. I want to be content with godliness. I want to have that unfailing strength. And the next part where it says, and having food and raiment, let us be these, be content. Let us be content. It says, therewith content. That's verse 8 that I'm looking at. Well, food, duh. We just talked about bread. All of our, sus- our sustaining, that's not the right word, sustenance. Sustenance. Thank you, Katie. Let's just look at Katie. Forget you people. Sustenance has to come from the Lord. That's where it's at. And our raiment, that's just what, what are we clothed with? That's our identity. That's where it's at. Now, also, let me just say one more thing about that. Bread helps you find your identity as well. That fresh bread from heaven says, hey, Kim, I know you're Kim, but you're also very pastoral. Oh, yeah, you're also a teacher. Oh, okay, can you be a prophet? I mean, those are the things that you've learned because God's given you information, you've processed it in who you are, and boom, there you are. That's your identity. Okay, I think that's all I want to say about that. Did you want to say something else? Larry did. Our identity is is a lot to do with how we are recognized in the spirit realm. And in that, we come before the throne of God with that identity, and he's directing that. With that, the enemy sees who we are and plans things that will stop that identity from functioning. Mm-hmm. So this identity is our placement on the front lines of uh, the warfare that uh, is of the kingdom. Yeah. All of us have them, identities. Every one of us does. Even Josiah, who's like, you know, I don't know how old are you now. Oh, don't tell me. Josiah at age 13 has an identity in the Lord. He knows some of it, don't you, Josiah? We talk about stuff here and there, and he figures it out. I know he's a boy. He's just going to go like this. So, All right, Josiah, read the last scripture, and then we'll be done. Let your conversation be held without covetousness, (laughs) and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said... I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now that's just pretty much, I know, amen, that's just pretty much what we've been talking about. Unfailing strength when you understand that God has given you all that you need right now to be, to stand, to move, 
That's unfailing strength. You know that God has given you exactly what it is. And he goes on to say that, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We should never fear at all in that manner. So, amen. Father, thank you for the unfailing strength that you continue to give us as we walk daily in your word and as your son. Uh, Father, I thank you for showing these things for me that I need to, you know, work on, (laughs) uh, give to you, grind out of me. That's something I think sometimes too, Father. Let us be rooted in your word and in your truth, and let us move in your spirit as you lead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.